Welcome to the Life Chapters podcast, Real Women, Real Stories. Hi, I'm Stacey, and I am super passionate about showing everyday women like you that they really do have a story to share. In my opinion, everyone deserves to be heard. And on this podcast, you will get to meet some pretty fabulous women who have amazing stories to tell. Some of the stories you hear might trigger you, but they're all spoken by the women who lived them. Some of them will make you smile, some of them might make you cry. Welcome back to the Life Chapters podcast. Today I have a hugely inspirational woman with me. Um, Her name is Andrea and she classes herself as the PT for your mind. But I'm not going to explain what that is. I'm going to leave it up to Andrea. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for giving me some time today. Um, First off, tell everybody where you are, and then you can launch in and tell us exactly what story you want to share and explain what a PT for the mind really is. So thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm in London, not so sunny London, but hey. <laughs> um, I won't go straight into what the PT for your mind is just yet. I'm going to leave that to a bit towards the end so I can explain why I call myself the PT for the mind. So you've got the, the storyline. I'm, I'm, I'm learning from, from, you know, from being in your group, how to write a storyline. So, <laughs> so, um, so my story, gosh, going to be showing my age now. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't matter. So I've got a bit, I didn't realise how much of a story I did have until you actually sit down and write a while that's, that's gone back. And I actually did a post the other day that spoke about like the things that I have actually gone through. So for example, I had my son at 19. However, I was in the middle of university at that time. And you know, my, my parents were like, oh, this is it now. You've, you've, you've done it now. You can't go back and you've got to look after the and I was, my mindset was so like adamant, no, I'm going back, I'm going to finish my course and I'm going to, you know, get the same grades as I would have done if I didn't have, you know, have this little, <laughs> this little thing happen in between. And I did. I had him in July. I went back in October and yeah, my aunt offered to look after him. So I had a babysitter and I was able to graduate at the same time as I would have done, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have him in between that time. And so looking back my mindset was very strong back then I was adamant I knew the things that I wanted to do and then you know as you do you go through life and certain things happen like bad relationships um friendship groups I was always out I was like a person that was always out all the time um and alcohol was always involved and so on and so forth and um yeah I didn't I didn't actually realize at the time that there was anything that I needed to to be wary of or anything that was, you know, anything unusual wasn't really happening for me, to be fair. It was just, that was just life. Um, then I started to get into financial problems and, you know, you take out the credit cards and yeah, I'm going to pay it back when when I get the statement. And unfortunately that never happens. You, you always see the, the, bigger pay, the bigger payment that you have to make. And then you see that the other payment that is much lower, which is, you know, you just make the minimum payment. It's like, okay. I can make the minimum payment. That's fine. Started to do, started to do that, um, and that started to spiral out of control. Um, 
and I had to get support from like my family. This is I'm missing out a few years because this this goes on for a while. Um, had to get support of my family, and then I started to get better jobs, and so that was obviously more income. So that was supporting me, and then I one of the jobs that I did get was to become a a after school um facilitator, so to speak. I wasn't actually a teacher, and I only got that I got that job because. I I was taking a sabbatical because I um, started to notice that things wasn't going right for me and I wasn't feeling 100% and my son wasn't behaving 100% either. So I started to take some time out, but I wouldn't have said anything like anything that was anything to do with my mental health at that time. But looking back, clearly it was. Um, And that role then led me into becoming a school teacher. So I say all this because it is part of the story. Um, so I became a school teacher and I, I loved that role. So I graduated in 2005 and, you know, I started to, I started on a, a good salary because when I asked what, what salary I wanted to start on, I chose a number because it used to go like M1, M2, M3 and I went for M3 and, and then the head teacher said, yes, I was like, okay, cool. So I went in at a great salary and loved my role, loved what I was doing. Even in the first year, I, I applied to go into being a, a head of department and the school had to you know, say to me, Andrea, we love your enthusiasm. However, it's a bit too early for that. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, cool, but I'm going to get there. I was adamant that I was going to get there. And then again, started to get back into some financial issues but I wasn't really too bothered about it because, you know, I had a good income coming in, so it was fine. A few years later, still loving my job, but I started to begin, I was in a relationship that really wasn't serving me, but I didn't want to be alone, so I continued with it. My son was then a teenager, and for those that are listening who have teenagers, that they're not always the best behaved, and so I was having a bit of issues with him. I then at that time was a head of department. So I did get my job. I did get my dream job. I did get to the head of department a few years later. So that meant that the workload was, you know, was heavy and, but I still didn't mind it because I could still handle it. That was fine. Then in 2014, things just really took a turn for the worse. And I, again, I felt it, but I didn't know how to actually verbalise it because I didn't have the, the language and the the terminology to use to actually explain to anybody that I'm not feeling too great. I, you know, I, although I wasn't feeling too great, I didn't know how to say it. Um, so I turned to the drink. I was drinking a lot and that wasn't serving me any purposes. It wasn't serving me, you know, it wasn't doing me any good. Towards the, the latter part of 2014, I really noticed a big difference, a big change. The young people were asking me for their schoolwork. I, as I wasn't marking it, you know, I was be, I would go home, grab a bottle of wine on the way home, and always be saying, "Okay, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have this bottle of wine because I'm gonna mark the work as I sit at home." The wine would finish, but the work hadn't even started. And that just kept on going on and going on. Um, the school kind of like noticed, but didn't ask me if I was okay. They did get me in some help, but 
it wasn't help for me. It was help because they saw that my work was deteriorating. I was getting observations. They wasn't as high as what they had used to have been. And it was, yeah, it was just going, it was downhill fast. Um, then we had the Christmas break, went back again in the 2015. And then in February 2015, I literally had a breakdown. I couldn't stop crying in school. Luckily, it was after school, so there wasn't any pupils in the school. And I um, went to see the the lady in HR and she advised me to go to, to go to my doctors and I went to my doctors and luckily at that time you could actually make an appointment at the doctors and be seen at the doctors quite quickly. He said to take some time off. And I was like, what do you mean take time off? I'm head of department. I can't take time off. And he said, Andrea, you need to take time off. You need to rest. And so he signed me off for two weeks and that the first couple of days was just stressing about work, what am I gonna, what they're gonna do, and as a teacher, you still have to. I was having to give in the work and you know explain what the young people needed to do and so on and so forth. And then so I had my two weeks. Two weeks passed. Then he made an appointment for me to go back again. In, in after the two weeks, so I went back again. He asked me a series of questions similar to what he asked me the previous two weeks, and the answers were still the same like how are you feeling like I'm feeling rubbish um still not feeling happy still drinking still just like a dark cloud was just over my head type type scene and so that's when he said okay I think we're going to diagnose you with a mental health illness and I say this and I don't say this in any in any in jest or anything like that or, or mocking anybody because it was myself and um, I looked at the door and I thought that people were going to come in with a straitjacket because my education and knowledge about mental health was just that you, what you see on the tv is always negative and people you know straitjackets you know you, you get injected you get sent to the asylum and all these things were going through my head and obviously that didn't happen um, and so he signed me off for, gosh, I can't remember the time, but a good length of time. I was actually off for nearly a whole school year, literally. Um, and I didn't tell anybody what the doctor had told me. Um, it was it was something I did, again, didn't how how am I going to tell anybody? When I was walking home, I was thinking, how am I going to tell my mum that I've got been diagnosed with a mental health illness? In the... Um, in the in the black community, it's not spoken about, widely spoken about. Um, it already has a stigma in just worldwide, anyway. And in some communities, it seem it seem seemed or deemed as um, demonic. It's really really negative, and so that was my thoughts of of mental health is really really negative. My mum's going to be embarrassed about me, and you know, I've just I'm just an embarrassment to the family now. And so that went on for months and months and months. However, one thing the doctor did um, suggest to me um, whilst writing my prescription for antidepressants was that I should take up physical activity. I, again, I say this with and uh, with my lack of education hat on at that time. I'm thinking there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not overweight. Why do I need to go to the gym or why do I need to take work out? You know, what are you saying? You're telling me I've got mental health illness. Now you're telling me about physical activity. It doesn't make sense. And so, but it took me a while to 
to go, to pick myself up and go, because literally every day was the longest day ever, I, you know, so, and I was in the mindset that I know I need to get better because I need to look after my son. I've got my son to care for and, and things, our relationship was deteriorating. His attitude was deteriorating. So there was a lot of negativity in the house. Um, and obviously no one knows. My mum doesn't know what's going on. So she can't chip in and help out. So the physical activity part, I decided that I was going to go to the gym. And the gym that I chose had people there that were doing bodybuilding. And, you know, as you do, you get chatting with people. And and I didn't understand also that I've got a mental health illness, so I can't actually be happy. So I've got to be really, like, talk to people sad and, you know, not put on a... I've got to put this mask on that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sad because if anybody sees me from work or anything or outside, they're going to think, but you're off sick. How are you here? And so all these things, thoughts were going through my head which on top of the other thoughts that I was having prior to that. But anyway, so I decided that I'm going to I'm gonna start going to the gym daily because it was something, it was getting me up every day. It was a goal for me because I'm used to be, I was a goal setter. I was, you know, like I said, I wanted that job. I got it. And, and because I wasn't at work, I didn't have that, I didn't have any goals. So that was my goal. And it was my goal to get up every day, to get dressed every day, to see other people, and, you know, if I'm out of the house, I'm not drinking as much and, and so on and so forth. And so long story short, trained to to compete in a show for a few months down the line and got to the show, stood on stage. And I won uh, long, another long story because me standing on stage wasn't just as simple as that. The, the show got stopped. I started to cry. I thought they were stopping me and, and, and telling me that I couldn't go on. Be- but they moved me to a different category and because I was more muscular than what I should have been for the category that I was in I won that show and yeah the rest as they say is history and three years later that was in 2015 and three years later I then went on to win the um, title of the UK BFF British champion so and rewarded my my international pro card so loads of the good things did come out of that step that I made to to better my life with physical activity. I now sing it from the rooftops that physical activity is good for your mental health. I now know what endorphins mean because I didn't at the time. He said, like, you know, it's good for you. You know, you're going to get loads of endorphin rush. I'm like, you're giving me more drugs. <laughs> I was like, so I, I know. So I really know what endorphins mean now because I, I experience it on a daily. And so that was a really... Um, positive part of my life and it was something like I said I would never have put the two together I would never have thought that physical activity could really support you on your journey to to getting better obviously with a mild uh, mental health when you there, there's it is on a spectrum I'm not saying that that's going to work for everyone not saying that the gym doesn't work for everybody you know I always say to people find what works for you you know so that was that. So I'm going to stick this. This is still all too. This is in 2015. Won my first competition. Still off work, sick. Um, and then a few months later, I told my best friend what the doctor had said. She then encouraged me to tell my mum. She took it so well, uh, you know, better than I expected. She was loving, and she still is caring. Um, and then in October of 2015, I decided that I couldn't take it anymore. I, my 
even though I was doing all these great things, my self-confidence and self-esteem about going back to work was just shattered. Um, I went, I actually did go back to work for one day and they, they then asked me to do the reports for a year that I hadn't been at school. And it would just, it seemed like it was just written in a different language. So I walked out and I never returned. And it was because, yeah, like I said, my self-esteem and confidence were just shattered. I didn't think I could ever work with young people again. I thought my my colleagues were going to be talking about me because of what, what's happened. And that's just not true. I now know that, that that's not true. Um, I was still drinking, but then towards the latter part, the end of 2015, I looked myself in the mirror and said, you have to make some serious changes that came about because I had done my first international competition um, in, I think it was Budapest, and it was a great time, and I could see something really positive happening with the bodybuilding, and I knew that changes need to be made, and so I made the the change to just go teetotal and just didn't even think about it, didn't do it slowly, I just cut it out. I'm I'm an all-or-nothing person, it's not, oh yeah, you know, one one bottle of wine from five to one. No, it's just none. So the beginning of January 2016, I was, you know, cold turkey, but I was you know, gripping my fists and my teeth, like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And then jobless because I've resigned now. So I was didn't have the alcohol to back me up, didn't have a job to go to, um, and was now on my savings. And so... I decided to go on a a journey to find out like what is mental health and why, you know, why do people get it and, you know, why people diagnose with it rather. But whilst I was doing that, I was also trying to get a job, but my DBS was taking months. Not that there was anything wrong with it. It was not a criminal. They're still clean to this day. But for some reason, it was just taking forever. I even had to get my MP involved because I they just didn't send it back to me for months and months and months. It was a good, like, four or five months till I actually got it back. So on that time, I said, right, then let me go to do some research. I went and done a lot of work about mental health. I went to every Eventbrite possible um, that said mental health. Okay, I'm there. You'd see me everywhere. Went on the MHFA courses for adults, young people, perinatal, anything with mental health, I wanted to know about it. And then I met someone who then suggested or told me about a CIC. So those that are listening, CIC is a community interest company, could also be known as a social enterprise as well, because, you know, for the community. Done my research again, and I set up my own social enterprise, my own CIC, in October 2016. Now, I was looking for a name for it, and I wanted it to be a name that meant something to me. I didn't just want it to be just any old name. And the word focus kept popping up. You know, you need to focus on this. You need to focus on life. You need to focus on your job. You need... And I like the word focus, but it wasn't enough. And so that's when I discovered I liked acronyms because <laughs> then I started sitting down writing all these acronyms out. And it, I then came up with focus on creating your ultimate self. Yes, I know for those who are listening, there isn't a why in focus, but for it to read well <laughs> you have to have the why in it and so and for it to make sense it has to have the, the the why in there so yeah so focus on creating your ultimate self um or focus on I'm, I'm focusing creating my ultimate self it's in that is interchangeable um 
because when I started to focus on creating my ultimate self, that's when all the positive things started to happen to me. So much, you know, different things started to happen in my life and um, doors started to open up and, and I thought that's this is what, if I'm going to have a community interest company that's going to support other people, that's what I want to bring to them. I want them to be able to focus on themselves so that they can bring out the best in themselves. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I became the founder and director of the organisation. Um, again, I still wasn't working at this point, but I had something to keep me occupied and and bring me joy. And it wasn't just going to be bringing myself joy. It was actually supporting other people because I wanted to, to what the premises was of the, or is of the organisation is to support, educate and empower individuals about the benefits and importance of physical and mental health. So it's fusing what I had learned about physical activity within doing my bodybuilding and then obviously what I had learned about mental health for my own lived experience and from the courses and, and workshops and events that I had attended. And so, yeah, so from 2016, I've just been, you know, having my hands in different pots. I've become a service provider for a local authority I created a, as a result of that, they basically, that role was them saying to me, oh, can you take some young people to the gym? I was like, is that it? Um, and the head teacher, which they, the virtual head teacher, uh, which is the, the head of social services, <laughs> she um, she liked the fact it, in this order that I was a bodybuilder, that I had had my, I had my own experience of mental health and that I was a teacher so that I could obviously work with the young people. And so that was it. It was just take them to the gym. It wasn't to lose any weight. It was just for the endorphins and for them to have a different way of, you know, of releasing their energy. And so I came up with a program called the Youth Fitness Mentoring Program. And then what that involved wasn't just taking, I took them to the gym, yes, but I also created a, a workbook for them which you sat down and looked at some of their goals, you know, short-term, medium-term and long-term goals. And I asked them that all-important question how are you how was your day today because the young people that I was working with uh, were for look from looked after care and so a lot of the time they have different social workers working with them in and out of the house and so on and so forth so just to have one person for a set period of time to ask you that question it meant a lot to them you know there was there was times when we just sat down and didn't even have a gym session because when that after me asking them how they are um it just opened up the floodgate for them to 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 talk and to express how they actually felt um you know as many times I had to hold back my own tears because it's like wow I'm this big age and you're that little age and you've gone through all of that it's like yeah um it's I'm still getting goosebumps just talking about it now so I've done that um I then became a certified instructor for mental health um, England so now I'm now an independent instructor to deliver the youth mental health first aid training course so that is great and I love delivering that because I can go in and give my own lived experience of working with young people and my own lived experience of having a mental health illness and then then I got introduced to speaking someone asked me to speak on their podcast I was like you want me to come on your podcast to say what <laughs> you know so and then then I started to get paid to talk about myself <laughs> that was a weird one you know um 
but that that was good uh, and it was great that I was actually getting paid because again like uh, obviously from going from having this high salary um, as being a teacher and it was quite it was quite it was decent because I was head of department so I had the two departments so I was getting paid quite well to being jobless and no money and having to go on universal credit you know went through all the step change debt collectors it I've been through it all and I'm you know and I will sit here so I'm not ashamed to say it because it's just something that if I don't talk when I talk about it people are like I thank you very much for saying it because people are embarrassed about it. it it can be embarrassing and one of the things that happened to me was no one knew obviously what I was going through with my finances, uh, one element of my story is that I actually was had all my letters piled up so much that I had to get an external um, shredding company to come to my house to shred all my letters because it was, I've got a, like a shed outside my house and they were literally just bags and bags and bags and bags of letters from over the years that I had never opened because I knew what they were, they were bills and I didn't have no money to pay them. So what's the point in opening them? And I had to, like I said, get the company in, but I also had to change my mindset about opening letters. I had to do a countdown as soon as, I now still rush to to the letterbox when the letters come, because I'm there trying, just so that I know that I have to open it straight away. Otherwise, I I just got that little thing in the back of my head. I don't want to go back to that stage um, and so I say this to say that all these things that people don't actually see behind closed doors, you know, what someone may be going through. And another thing as well that I say just to let people point people out to is that people always ask me, like, how are you? And I say, I'm fine. And I have my I'm fine mask on. So it, and I say that again because it is time to talk day today as well. So the day that we're doing this, <laughs> so... But just in general, it's time to talk every day for me personally. I feel like we should always be asking people, how are you? And, you know, waiting to hear for a response, you know. So I know I've kind of like jumped a bit, but that just came into my head to say that. Um, But yeah, so going back to my work. So I've done the speaking, was asked to speak and, yeah, I was doing more. I was applying for funding now for for my organisation, getting funding, being able to deliver programmes for for young people and their families, um, trained to do my coaching. I'm just wrapping it all up now. I trained, trained to do my coaching and most recently trained to do financial coaching, hence why I talk about the money now as well because I feel like I started to go on a journey to really um, sort out my finances and I'm in a much better place. Credit score's going back up again and and I feel like I can really support someone, especially women who have been or who are where I have been and want to get out of that place, but their mindset is not strong enough to to help them. And so I'm starting to do that. And so this is where all of that to say why I'm called the PT for the mind. <laughs> so I call myself the PT for the mind because I am actually a qualified um, personal trainer. So I did my qualif- I've been qualified for a few years now. And for your mind is because I believe that everything that we do starts with our mindset. If I wasn't in the right mindset to to do a lot of the things that that scared me, I you know I was I would have been stuck in a fixed mindset. I had to really work on going into the growth mindset, going into the positive mindset, 
to make a lot of the things that I'm doing now actually work. And whether that be with your physical activity, your finances, your business, your home life, if you're in the if you're not in the positive mindset, a lot of things won't go right, unfortunately. And that's what I would like to answer. I'm working with people now to support. At first, I started working on people to support them with their mindset. But now it's to support them with their mindset so that they can organise and get their finances in shape, literally. Because we do a lot around getting our bodies in shape. But we need to work on our mindset. We need to work on our money to get those into shape. And I, I feel that's really important. So that's something that I'm really working to 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 grow now and support women to and young people as well I think it's important for young people that I work with as well about the financial education because they don't get that in school and then they obviously go from being young people to adults that still don't have that education financial education so you know I'm embedding that in the work that I do with the young people as well because I think it's vitally important um, and I also do a lot around mental fitness so you know, supporting people to, to, again, like I say, that you go to the gym to, to grow your muscles and your body and to flex and look nice and toned, but your mind and your brain is also a muscle, your brain's also a muscle that you need to tone and, and, and work out. And so that's where the, the PT for your mind comes in, comes from. <laughs> and, and you know what, that there's, there's a couple of things that you have said that have just stuck in my mind. Number one was about the lack of education you thought you had around mental health and around all the challenges that come with it and the fact that now you're you are setting you're setting your course to teach the young people of tomorrow that actually the mindset is is the number one sort of core thing that's going to guide them on their journey and I think it was those two things. It was the fact that you felt you didn't have the education. So now you're making the big change and you're setting out to educate young people. Inspirational, inspirational. Thank you so much for sharing some of that. And, and, and I know I know you have more to say. Absolutely. And this and I'm gonna we're gonna talk again. You're gonna come back on the Life Chapters podcast and we're gonna delve a bit deeper into some of those stories because there's so much there. Um, but I'm asking every one of my guests if they have a life quote or a saying or a verse that they sort of stick to. Can you share what yours would be? It's my my organisation's name and it's focused on creating your ultimate self because, like I say, it's interchangeable. It's focus, I'm, I'm focused on creating my ultimate self. You're focused on creating your ultimate self. And ultimately that's what it's about we've got to look out for number one you know the era pain and energy put your own mask on first and then help others that's incredible and that just brings it home we hear that said so many times that we hear it every time we take an airplane not that we've been taking airplanes recently but every time you are told make sure you look after yourself first put your oxygen mask on first before you help others and You've just hit the nail on the head. So thank you so much, Andrea. I really do appreciate your time today. For anybody listening, I will make sure Andrea's contact details and organisational details are all in the show notes. And if you need somebody to be the PT for your mind, then reach out to Andrea because she is incredible. And as I say, so much more of a story to share. So I will get you back and we will do this again. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. (laughs) What a powerful story. 
If you want more information about my guest or their story, check out the show notes. All the details are there. I would love to know what you think about this episode. Head over to Instagram at the Life Chapters Pod and tell me what you think. I really would love to know. And if you have a story to share and you want to do it here on the Life Chapters podcast, please get in touch. My door's always open and I would love to give you the platform to share your story. Mm-hmm.